Section thirty four of Our Mutual Friend by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section thirty four of Our Mutual Friend by Charles Dickens. Book the Third A Long Lane chapter one lodgers in queer street it was a foggy day in london and the fog was heavy and dark animate london with smarting eyes and irritated lungs was blinking wheezing and choking inanimate london was a sooty spectre divided in purpose between being visible and invisible and so being wholly neither gas-lights flared in the shops with a haggard and unblessed air as knowing themselves to be night creatures that had no business abroad under the sun while the sun itself when it was for a few minutes dimly indicated through circling eddies of fog showed as if it had gone out and were collapsing flat and cold even in the surrounding country it was a foggy day but there the fog was grey whereas in london it was at about the boundary line dark yellow and a little within it brown and then browner and then browner until at the heart of the city which calls st mary axe it was rusty black from any point of the high ridge of land northward it might have been discerned that the loftiest buildings made an occasional struggle to get their heads above the foggy sea and especially that the great dome of st paul's seemed to die hard but this was not perceivable in the streets at their feet where the whole metropolis was a heap of vapour charged with muffled sound of wheels and enfolding a gigantic catarrh at nine o'clock on such a morning the place of business of pubsey and company was not the liveliest object even in st mary axe which is not a very lively spot with a sobbing gaslight in the counting-house window and a burglarious storm of fog creeping in to strangle it through the keyhole of the main door but the light went out and the main door opened and rhea came forth with a bag under his arm almost in the act of coming out the door rhea went into the fog and was lost to the eyes of st mary axe but the eyes of this history can follow him westward by cornhill cheapside fleet street and the strand to piccadilly and the albany thither he went at his grave and measured pace staff in hand skirt at heel and more than one head turning to look back at his venerable figure already lost in the mist supposed it to be some ordinary figure indistinctly seen which fancy and the fog had worked into that passing likeness arrived at the house in which his master's chambers were on the second floor rhea proceeded up the stairs and paused at fascination fledgeby's door making free with neither bell nor knocker he struck upon the door with the top of his staff and having listened sat down on the threshold it was characteristic of his habitual submission that he sat down on the raw dark staircase as many of his ancestors had probably sat down in dungeons taking what befell him as it might befall after a time when he had grown so cold as to be fain to blow upon his fingers 
he arose and knocked with his staff again and listened again and again sat down to wait thrice he repeated these actions before his listening ears were greeted by the voice of fledgeby calling from his bed hold your row i'll come and open the door directly but in lieu of coming directly he fell into a sweet sleep of some quarter of an hour more during which added interval rhea sat upon the stairs and waited with perfect patience at length the door stood open and mr fledgeby's retreating drapery plunged into bed again following it at a respectful distance rhea passed into the bedchamber where a fire had been some time lighted and was burning briskly why what time of night do you mean to call it inquired fledgeby turning away beneath the clothes and presenting a comfortable rampart of shoulder to the chilled figure of the old man sir it is half past ten in the morning the deuce it is then it must be precious foggy very foggy sir and raw then chill and bitter said rhea drawing out a handkerchief and wiping the moisture from his beard and long gray hair as he stood on the verge of the rug with his eyes on the acceptable fire with a plunge of enjoyment fledgeby settled himself afresh any snow or sleet or slush or anything of that sort he asked no sir no not quite so bad as that the streets are pretty clean you needn't brag about it returned fledgeby disappointed in his desire to heighten the contrast between his bed and the streets but you're always bragging about something got the books there they are here sir all right i'll turn the general subject over in my mind for a minute or two and while i'm about it you can empty your bag and get ready for me with another comfortable plunge mr fledgeby fell asleep again the old man having obeyed his directions sat down on the edge of a chair and folding his hands before him gradually yielded to the influence of the warmth and dozed he was roused by mr fledgeby's appearing erect at the foot of the bed in turkish slippers rose-colored turkish trousers got cheap from somebody who had cheated some other somebody out of them and a gown and cap to correspond in that costume he would have left nothing to be desired if he had been further fitted out with a bottomless chair a lantern and a bunch of matches now olden cried fascination in his light raillery what dodgery are you up to next sitting there with your eyes shut you ain't asleep catch a weasel at it and catch a jew truly sir i fear i nodded said the old man not you returned fledgeby with a cunning look a telling move with a good many i dare say but it won't put me off my guard not a bad notion though if you want to look indifferent in driving a bargain oh you're a dodger the old man shook his head gently repudiating the imputation and suppressed a sigh and moved to the table at which mr fledgeby was now pouring out for himself a cup of steaming and fragrant coffee from a pot that had stood ready on the hob it was an edifying spectacle the young man in his easy-chair taking his coffee and the old man with his gray head bent standing awaiting his pleasure now said fledgeby fork out your balance in hand and prove by figures how you make it out that it ain't more first of all light that candle rhea obeyed and then taking a bag from his breast and referring to the sum in the accounts for which they made him responsible told it out upon the table fledgeby told it again with great care and rang every sovereign i suppose he said taking one up to eye it closely 
You haven't been lightening any of these, but it's a trade of your people's, you know. You understand what sweating a pound means, don't you? Much as you do, sir, returned the old man, with his hands under opposite cuffs of his loose sleeves as he stood at the table, deferentially observant of the master's face, may I take the liberty to say something? You may, Fledgeby graciously conceded. Do you not, sir, without intending it, of a surety without intending it, sometimes mingle the character I fairly earn in your employment with the character which it is your policy that I should bear? I don't find it worth my while to cut things so fine as to go into the inquiry, Fascination coolly answered. Not in justice? Bother justice, said Fledgeby. Not in generosity? Jews in generosity, said Fledgeby. That's a good connection. Bring out your vouchers, and don't talk Jerusalem palaver. The vouchers were produced, and for the next half-hour Mr. Fledgeby concentrated his sublime attention on them. They and the accounts were all found correct, and the books and the papers resumed their places in the bag. Next, said Fledgeby, concerning that bill-broking branch of the business, the branch I like best, what queer bills are to be bought, and at what prices? You have got your list of what's in the market? sir a long list replied ria taking out a pocket-book and selecting from its contents a folded paper which being unfolded became a sheet of foolscap covered with close writing whew whistled fledgeby as he took it in his hand queer street is full of lodgers just at present these are to be disposed of in parcels are they in parcels as set forth returned the old man looking over his master's shoulder or the lump "'Half the lump will be waste-paper. One knows beforehand,' said Fledgeby. "'Can you get it at waste-paper price? That's the question.' Rhea shook his head, and Fledgeby cast his small eyes down the list. They presently began to twinkle, and he no sooner became conscious of their twinkling than he looked up over his shoulder at the grave face above him and moved to the chimney-piece. Making a desk of it, he stood there with his back to the old man, warming his knees, perusing the list at his leisure, and often returning to some lines of it as though they were particularly interesting. At those times he glanced in the chimney-glass to see what note the old man took of him. He took none that could be detected, but, aware of his employer's suspicions, stood with his eyes on the ground. Mr. Fledgeby was thus amiably engaged when a step was heard at the outer door, and the door was heard to open hastily. "'Hark! That's your doing, you pump of Israel,' said Fledgeby. "'You can't have shut it.' Then the step was heard within, and the voice of Mr. Alfred Lamley called aloud, "'Are you anywhere here, Fledgeby?' To which Fledgeby, after cautioning Rhea in a low voice to take his cue as it should be given him, replied, "'Here I am,' and opened his bedroom door." "'Come in,' said Fledgeby. "'This gentleman is only Pubsy and Company of St. Mary Axe, that I am trying to make terms for an unfortunate friend with a matter of some dishonoured bills. But really, Pubsby and Company are so strict with their debtors and so hard to move that I seem to be wasting my time. Can't I make any terms with you on my friend's part, Mr. Rhea?' "'I am but the representative of another, sir,' returned the Jew, in a low voice. "'I do as I am bidden by my principal. It is not my capital that is invested in the business. It is not my profit that arises therefrom.' "'Ha-ha!' laughed Fledgeby. "'Lamley?' "'Ha-ha!' laughed Lamley. "'Yes, of course. We know.' "'Devilish good, ain't it, Lamley?' said Fledgeby, unspeakably amused by his hidden joke. "'Always the same, always the same,' said Lamley. 
Mr. Rhea, Pubsey and Company, St. Mary Axe, Fledgeby put in, as he wiped away the tears that trickled from his eyes, so rare was his enjoyment of his secret joke. Mr. Rhea is bound to observe the invariable forms for such cases made and provided, said Lamley. He is only the representative of another, cried Fledgeby, does as he is told by his principal. Not his capital that's invested in the business. Oh, that's good. Ha, 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 ha. Mr. Lamley joined in the laugh and looked knowing, and the more he did both, the more exquisite the secret joke became for Mr. Fledgeby. However, said that fascinating gentleman, wiping his eyes again, if we go on this way we shall seem to be almost making game of Mr. Rhea, or of Pubsey and Company, St. Mary Axe, or of somebody, which is far from our intention. Mr. Rhea, if you would have the kindness to step into the next room for a few moments while I speak with Mr. Lamley here, I should like to try to make terms with you once again before you go. The old man, who had never raised his eyes during the whole transaction of Mr. Fledgeby's joke, silently bowed and passed out by the door which Fledgeby opened for him. Having closed it on him, Fledgeby returned to Lamley, standing with his back to the bedroom fire, with one hand under his coat-skirts and all his whiskers in the other. "'Hello,' said Fledgeby. "'There's something wrong.' "'How do you know it?' demanded Lamley. "'Because you show it,' replied Fledgeby, in unintentional rhyme. "'Well, then, there is,' said Lamley. "'There is something wrong. The whole thing's wrong.' "'I say,' remonstrated Fascination, very slowly, and sitting down with his hands on his knees, to stare at his glowering friend with his back to the fire. "'I'll tell you, Fledgeby,' repeated Lamley, with a sweep of his right arm. "'The whole thing's wrong. The game's up.' "'What game's up?' demanded Fledgeby, as slowly as before, and more sternly. "'The game. Our game. Read that.' Fledgeby took a note from his extended hand and read it aloud. "'Alfred Lamley, Esquire. Sir, allow Mrs. Podsnap and myself to express our united sense of the polite attentions of Mrs. Alfred Lamley and yourself towards our daughter Georgiana. Allow us also wholly to reject them for the future and to communicate our final desire that the two families may become entire strangers.' I have the honor to be, sir, your most obedient and very humble servant, John Podsnap. Fledgeby looked at the three blank sides of this note quite as long and earnestly as at the first expressive side, and then looked at Lamley, who responded with another extensive sweep of his right arm. Whose doing is this? said Fledgeby. Impossible to imagine, said Lamley. Perhaps, suggested Fledgeby, after reflecting with a very discontented brow, "'Somebody has been giving you a bad character.' "'Or you,' said Lamley, with a deeper frown. Mr. Fledgeby appeared to be on the verge of some mutinous expressions when his hand happened to touch his nose. A certain remembrance connected with that feature operating as a timely warning, he took it thoughtfully between his thumb and forefinger and pondered, Lamley meanwhile eyeing him with furtive eyes. "'Well,' said Fledgeby, "'this won't improve with talking about.' If we ever find out who did it, we'll mark that person. There's nothing more to be said, except that you undertook to do what circumstances prevent your doing. And that you undertook to do what you might have done by this time if you had made a prompter use of circumstances, snarled Lamley. Ha! That, remarked Fledgeby, with his hands in the Turkish trousers, is a matter of opinion. Mr. Fledgeby, said Lamley, in a bullying tone, 
am i to understand that you in any way reflect upon me or hint dissatisfaction with me in this affair no said fledgeby providing you have brought my promissory note in your pocket and now hand it over lamley produced it not without reluctance fledgeby looked at it identified it twisted it up and threw it in the fire they both looked at it as it blazed went out and flew in feathery ash up the chimney now mr fledgeby said lamley as before am i to understand that you in any way reflect upon me or hint dissatisfaction with me in this affair no said fledgeby finally and unreservedly no yes fledgeby my hand mr fledgeby took it saying and if we ever find out who did this we'll mark that person and in the most friendly manner let me mention one thing more i don't know what your circumstances are and i don't ask you have sustained a loss here many men are liable to be involved at times and you may be or you may not be but whatever you do lamley don't 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 i beg of you ever fall into the hands of pubsey and company in the next room for they are grinders regular flayers and grinders my dear lamley repeated fledgeby with a peculiar relish and they'll skin you by the inch from the nape of your neck to the sole of your foot and grind every inch of your skin to tooth powder have you seen what mr Rhea is never fall into his hands lamley i beg of you as a friend mr lamley disclosing some alarm at the solemnity of this affectionate adjuration demanded why the devil he ever should fall into the hands of pubsey and company to confess the fact i was made a little uneasy said the candid fledgeby by the manner in which that jew looked at you when he heard your name i didn't like his eye but it may have been the heated fancy of a friend of course if you are sure that you have no personal security out which you may not be quite equal to meeting and which can have got into his hands it must have been fancy still i didn't like his eye the brooding lamley with certain white dints coming and going in his palpitating nose looked as if some tormenting imp were pinching it fledgeby watching him with a twitch in his mean face which did duty there for a smile looked very like the tormentor who was pinching but i mustn't keep him waiting too long said fledgeby or he'll revenge it on my unfortunate friend how's your very clever and agreeable wife she knows we have broken down i showed her the letter very much surprised said fledgeby i think she would have been more so answered lamley if there had been more go in you oh she lays it upon me then mr fledgeby i will not have my words misconstrued don't break out lamley urged fledgeby in a submissive tone because there's no occasion i only asked a question then she don't lay it upon me to ask another question no sir very good said fledgeby plainly seeing that she did my compliments to her good-bye they shook hands and lamley strode out pondering fledgeby saw him into the fog and returning to the fire and musing with his face to it stretched the legs of the rose-coloured turkish trousers wide apart and meditatively bent his knees as if he were going down upon them you have a pair of whiskers lamley which i never liked murmured fledgeby and which money can't produce you are boastful of your manners and your conversation you wanted to pull my nose and you have let me in for a failure and your wife says i am the cause of it i'll bowl you down i will though i have no whiskers here he rubbed the places where they were due and no manners and no conversation 
having thus relieved his noble mind he collected the legs of the turkish trousers straightened himself on his knees and called out to ria in the next room hallo you sir at sight of the old man re-entering with a gentleness monstrously in contrast with the character he had given him mr fledgeby was so tickled again that he exclaimed laughing good good upon my soul it is uncommon good now olden proceeded fledgeby when he had had his laugh out you'll buy up these lots that i mark with my pencil there's a tick there and a tick there and a tick there and i wager twopence you'll afterwards go on squeezing those christians like the jew you are now next you'll want a check or you'll say you want it though you've capital enough somewhere if one only knew where but you'd be peppered and solid and grilled on a gridiron before you'd own to it and that check i'll write when he had unlocked a drawer and taken a key from it to open another drawer which was another key that opened another drawer and which was another key that opened another drawer and which was the check-book and when he had written a check and when reversing the key and drawer process he had placed his check-book in safety again he beckoned the old man with the folded check to come and take it olden said fledgeby when the jew had put it in his pocket-book and was putting that in the breast of his outer garment so much at present for my affairs now a word about affairs that are not exactly mine where is she with his hand not yet withdrawn from the breast of his garment ria started and paused oh ho said fledgeby didn't expect it where have you hidden her showing that he was taken by surprise the old man looked at his master with some passing confusion which the master highly enjoyed is she in the house i pay rent and taxes for in st mary axe demanded fledgeby no sir is she in your garden up atop of that house gone up to be dead or whatever the game is asked fledgeby no sir where is she then ria bent his eyes upon the ground as if considering whether he could answer the question without breach of faith and then silently raised them to fledgeby's face as if he could not come said fledgeby i won't press that just now but i want to know this and i will know this mind you what are you up to the old man with an apologetic action of his head and hands as not comprehending the master's meaning addressed to him a look of mute inquiry you can't be a gallivanting dodger said fledgeby for you're a regular pity the sorrows you know if you do know any christian rhyme those trembling limbs have borne him too etc you're one of the patriarchs you're a shaky old card and you can't be in love with this lizzie oh sir expostulated ria oh sir 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 then why retorted fledgeby with some slight tinge of a blush don't you out with your reason for having your spoon in the soup at all sir i will tell you the truth but your pardon for the stipulation it is in sacred confidence it is strictly upon honour honour too cried fledgeby with a mocking lip honour among jews well cut away it is upon honour sir the other still stipulated with respectful firmness oh certainly honour bright said fledgeby the old man never bidden to sit down stood with an earnest hand laid on the back of the young man's easy-chair the young man sat looking at the fire with a face of listening curiosity ready to check him off and catch him tripping cut away said fledgeby start with your motive sir i have no motive but to help the helpless mr fledgeby could only express the feelings to which this incredible statement gave rise in his breast by a prodigiously long derisive sniff 
how i came to know and much to esteem and to respect this damsel i mentioned when you saw her in my poor garden on the housetop said the jew did you said fledgeby distrustfully well perhaps you did though the better i knew her the more interest i felt in her fortunes they gathered to a crisis i found her beset by a selfish and ungrateful brother beset by an unacceptable wooer beset by the snares of a more powerful lover beset by the wiles of her own heart she took to one of the chaps then sir it was only natural that she would incline towards him for he had many and great advantages but he was not of her station and to marry her was not in his mind perils were closing round her and the circle was fast darkening when i being as you have said sir too old and broken to be suspected of any feeling for her but a father's stepped in and counselled flight i said my daughter there are times of moral danger when the hardest virtuous resolution to form is flight and when the most heroic bravery is flight she answered she had had this in her thoughts but whither to fly without help she knew not and there were none to help her i showed her where there was one to help her and it was i and she is gone what did you do with her asked fledgeby feeling his cheek i placed her said the old man at a distance with a grave smooth outward sweep from one another of his two open hands at arm's length at a distance among certain of our people where her industry would serve her and where she could hope to exercise it unassailed from any quarter fledgeby's eyes had come from the fire to notice the action of his hands when he said at a distance fledgeby now tried very unsuccessfully to imitate that action as he shook his head and said placed her in that direction did you oh you circular old dodger with one hand across his breast and the other on the easy chair ria without justifying himself waited for further questioning but that it was hopeless to question him on that one reserved point fledgeby with his small eyes too near together saw full well lizzie said fledgeby looking at the fire again and then looking up hum lizzie you didn't tell me the other name in your garden atop of the house i'll be more communicative with you the other name's hexam Rhea bent his head in assent look here you sir said fledgeby i have a notion i know something of the inveigling chap the powerful one has he anything to do with the law nominally i believe it is his calling i thought so name anything like lightwood sir not at all like come olden said fledgeby meeting his eyes with a wink say the name rayburn by jupiter cried fledgeby that one is it i thought it might be the other but i never dreamed of that one i shouldn't object to your balking either of the pair dodger for they are both conceited enough but that one is as cool a customer as ever i met with got a beard besides and presumes upon it well done olden go on and prosper brightened by this unexpected commendation ria asked were there more instructions for him no said fledgeby you may toddle now judah and grope about on the orders you have got dismissed with those pleasing words the old man took his broad hat and staff and left the great presence more as if he were some superior creature benignantly blessing mr fledgeby than the poor dependent on whom he set his foot left alone mr fledgeby locked his outer door and came back to his fire well done you said fascination to himself slow you may be sure you are 
this he twice or thrice repeated with much complacency as he again dispersed the legs of the turkish trousers and bent his knees a tidy shot that i flatter myself he then soliloquized and a jew brought down with it now when i heard the story told at lamley's i didn't make a jump at rhea not a hit of it i got at him by degrees herein he was quite accurate it being his habit not to jump or leap or make an upward spring at anything in life but to crawl at everything i got at him pursued fledgeby feeling for his whisker by degrees if your lamleys or your lightwoods had got at him anyhow they would have asked him the question whether he hadn't something to do with that gal's disappearance i knew a better way of going to work having got behind the hedge and put him in the light i took a shot at him and brought him down plump oh it don't count for much being a jew in a match against me another dry twist in place of a smile made his face crooked here as to christians proceeded fledgeby look out fellow christians particularly you that lodge in queer street i have got the run of queer street now and you shall see some games there to work a lot of power over you and you not know it knowing as you think yourselves would be almost worth laying out money upon but when it comes to squeezing a profit out of you into the bargain it's something like with this apostrophe mr fledgeby appropriately proceeded to divest himself of his turkish garments and invest himself with christian attire pending which operation and his morning ablutions and his anointing of himself with the last infallible preparation for the production of luxuriant and glossy hair upon the human countenance quacks being the only sages he believed in besides usurers the murky fog closed about him and shut him up in its sooty embrace if it had never let him out any more the world would have had no irreparable loss but could have easily replaced him from its stock on hand end of section thirty four of our mutual friend by charles dickens read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com